Litcast Slovakia, the podcast about Slovak literature in English. Welcome to the eighth episode of Litcast Slovakia. My name is Julia Sherwood, I'm a literary translator and I live in London. My guest today is Michael Stein, a writer and journalist based in the Czech Republic. Mike has published short stories and journalism with a number of European and American magazines. He runs a website on Central European writing called Literalab and has written for literary journals such as Asymptote and the Review of Contemporary Fiction. He's an editor at the Prague-based journal Body and runs its Saturday European Fiction series. And his own fiction has been published in The Missing Slate and McSweeney's, among other magazines. Hi, Mike. Nice to have you on the podcast. Hi, Julia. Thanks for having me. How are you? How has life been treating you? You live in the Czech Republic, which hasn't been as badly affected by the pandemic as many other European countries. Although a new spike or second wave or whatever you might call it seems to be approaching. Uh, I've been watching these eerie photos of Prague's empty streets and was quite envious. I wished I could be there. So have you enjoyed the city without the usual tourist crowds? And more seriously, how has all this affected your work? Um, well, honestly, uh, it's a dream of a lot of uh... Prague residents to be, have access to the city uh, free of tourists. So it's been a bit of a, you know, uh, the lighter side to this darkness uh, to be able to walk through the historic center um, without the stag parties and without all this mayhem. Um, so that has been a strange silver lining because um, that was all getting a bit more and more excessive and over the top over the last few years. Um, so that has been uh, nice. Um, it still is actually quite empty. Tourists are just starting to come back a little bit. Um, but it's still a bit surreal. Um, the Oddly, the only thing, if you walk through Old Town Square now, they just uh, rebuilt... Uh, the Marion Column, which was uh, torn down at the end of uh, World War I uh, as a, you know, kind of sign of the Habsburgs empire. It was torn down as a, you know, statue protest of that time. So it's kind of a strange uh, paradoxical thing that that was a kind of replica was just put up. Uh, yeah, I read about that, uh, and I read that it's terribly kitschy. What What oh, do you actually my God. think? It, yeah, it looks like something that should be on a mini golf course, honestly. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it looks very, very new and very um, fake. And um, just in this historical moment, and when the square is so empty, uh, it's, I, it's very strange it just adds to the surreal nature of, of all of this so i expect that when the british tourists come back it will be knocked over probably because they think it's just a temporary display <laughs> <laughs> or uh, they'll try to climb it when they're yeah, drunk <laughs> exactly <laughs> right and what about your work 
Well, of course, it's, it's had a terrible effect for me and for a lot of people. I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, I should be uh, probably today or yesterday coming back from the Carlo Vivaldi Film Festival, where I work this year every time. Yeah. Uh, that was canceled. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been very unfortunate. Um, and so, you know, what can I say? It's, uh, it's, it's been difficult. Um, we just, I would like to say I can hope things will get better, but as the tourists come back, I don't think that's what's going to happen. To come back to literature, uh, in your series, uh, Saturday European Fiction, that you curate for Body, you've featured English translations of stories and excerpts from longer works by authors from all over the world. And many of these writers, or actually most of them, are from Eastern and Central Europe, which is sort of understandable given that you're based in Prague. But it seems to me that there is more to it, that this part of the world holds a special fascination for you. Is that so? And uh, can you tell me what's behind it? Sure. Um, I, yeah, I don't think it's uh, so much about, uh, for example, Czech writing or, or just about being in Prague. Uh, but, um, I, I mean, I think there's a couple sides to it. I, I just think through all of these years of reading, um, I've found the kind of writers uh, that I really like and figured out what, what I value the most in fiction. And that the writers from Central and Eastern Europe, you know, from Russia a lot, I, I, and from this, you know, heritage of Central European writing, as well maybe as, say, Latin American writers, uh, I think have a certain kind of engagement with uh, history, with the darker parts of their history and politics, as well as a certain kind of art and humor that they bring to it, uh, maybe a lack of sentimentality. And it's this sensibility that I really find... Um, I respond to. And um, so as far as just reading, those are the books I like. As Then as far as um, wanting to publish and give exposure to those writers, that's what I've wanted to do. So also as far as publishing, you know, I know that uh, diversity uh, in, uh, you know, publishing is a very big issue now. Um, and I think that um, obviously one issue about diversity is you want to reflect, people want to reflect society. They want to reflect, you know, different genders, races, all of these different things. But I also think there's an aspect of diversity, which is for, for the reader, you know, it's, which means that it, for a reader, you should have the widest choice possible as far as your own taste and options available to you. And, you know, of course, translation is a big part of that. If you aren't able to be exposed to different languages, you have a lot less to be able to read and a lot of less, a lot of narrower sensibilities to be able to read. And I think exposing people to writers from this part of the world uh, 
really can, you know, give people a lot more options who mm. like a certain kind of writing. Yeah, thank you. That's a great answer. And uh, absolutely, when you talk about diversity and exposure, uh, sadly, Slovak literature is one of those that hasn't really had enough. But you're one of the people who have really championed Slovak writers. I've counted 16 Slovak writers uh, you've featured in Body, which is more than any other journal that I know of. And uh, in one of the interviews you did with uh, the Slovak writer Ursula Kovalik, uh, you asked her if she saw Slovak writing as having a clear identity of its own. And she said, to me, it doesn't have a clear identity. Every Slovak writer has his or her own very distinct identity. So let me turn the tables and ask you, have you found some features that distinguish Slovak literature from other literatures you've followed? Uh, well, uh, first of all, I have to, you know, you know, make an excuse that I can't answer it fully because I can't read Slovak in the original. Mm. So I am You're only... excused. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, I'm, you know uh, I'm only able to read from the writers I'm reading in translation. Um, so, and judge from that and say, compare them to, you know, whatever Czech and Hungarian, Polish. Um, of course, the easiest comparison is with the Czech writers. Um, generally, I agree with her from, from just the comparison I can make. And I do think um, there, I, I mean, I would say there are certain themes, of course. Some of those themes work similarly. The only thing I would say is my sense from the uh, Slovak writers I've read and some that I've just heard about is that I have the feeling a bit that there, some of the Slovak writers have a bit more of um, an edge, you know, like a sharper, maybe darker edge than some of the Czech writers that I've read. And it's not that they're about being better or worse. It might be... A, being from a smaller country, it might be being not having as high a profile relatively. I don't know what it is, mm. but somehow um, uh, maybe being a little bit of an underdog. I don't know what it is, but it's just a slight perception on my part. But I, generally, I have a feeling really it's, it's very individual. Um, I don't have the feeling that there's such a big national perception the way people think of, say, French writers or English or uh, American. So you do seem to like Ursula Kovalik. You've published one of her stories. You interviewed her and you wrote a really great review of the, her collection of short stories, uh, The Night Circus and other stories, which was published last year. So what uh, appeals to you particularly about uh, Ursula Kovalik's work? Um, well, I mean, the, the writing that I really like the most, uh, just generally, I think it, and I, I suppose this must be true of anybody, but it, it kind of meshes with the way I see reality. So for example, for me, your average realist, uh, fiction, uh, really doesn't interest me very much because it, it to me, it doesn't have any um, connection with my experience or the way I see my experience. 
And I, to me, her uh, writing has a really fantastic balance of the kind of gritty and funny reality that she's lived through, but also with a, the really strange, bizarre, beautiful way she sees things. Um, and the way she, this interacts in her writing, um, you know, and I, I really don't want to use any labels because I think labels uh, take away from the originality of her writing. But, you know, saying magical realism or surrealism, all of this, it uh, reduces it to other people's writing. And I think, um, you know, she balances this kind of, uh, these two sides to show like, you know, uh, Koshitse, where she grew up, you know, these housing projects, the, this kind of tough reality of, you know, the 90s and, and now uh, with this kind of world where, you know, you can have a jungle in your bathroom and these animals are, are coming out of the woodwork and, uh, you know, some really, you know, too hard to describe in a one word, you know, quite uh, magical uh, experiences. Um, but she does it in a really original way and without forcing it. You know, it's, it's like these are themes that really feel urgent to her. She's not trying to be surreal or unique. It's just this is what she wants to write about. And I feel like that's rare. I don't feel, especially in English language writing, uh, you see a lot of people who are trying to do something magical realist, but it's not n native to them. They're trying to be magical realist, and there's a big difference. Yeah, yeah, I agree. In her, it really feels completely natural and spontaneous. Yeah. And of course, the other part uh, that's important and key to her writing is that she writes about uh, women's experience. Yeah, oh, exactly. As yeah. does uh, Jana Uraniova, uh, another author you featured, and mm -hmm. uh, her book, Žila som s which uh, we translated as Ilona, My Life with a Bard, was actually published uh, in book form, really thanks to your... A connection that you helped me made, make with uh, Calypso Editions. So I would like you to say a few words about uh, that book, what uh, what attracted you to it. Uh, there's a few Slovak writers that who are writing historical works. and But I what I just love about a lot of Central European historical writing is that you get the feeling that it's it's not history in a glass case. You know, there's something very uh, contemporary about a lot of the issues that it's dealt with. And it's it's not um, costume drama history. You know, it's really from a different angle. I mean, in this case, it's dealing with, um, you know, a kind of 19th century founding uh, artistic, you know, I don't know how you describe what Fiestoslav is for Slovakia, but you know, one of your, you know, your artistic touchstone for, for the country, which, uh, you know, America, as Americans, we don't really have this, but most European countries have this kind of big, you know, figure. And to, 
to take it from a different angle of his, you know, his wife who's in the background and have this kind of irony, but also not, not, you know, lay it on heavily. Um, I thought it was really well done because I feel like an American version of this would, would make it about her, you know, it would paint him as a villain. You know, there, it was such a light touch. There were some serious issues, but it was done, you know, in like a, like a painting and I, I really liked it. So you were able to laugh. You were able to sometimes, of course, see the tragedies there and uh, see all the different sides. And it made it a really sophisticated, uh, deep uh, work of art, which was great. Wonderful. Yes, I also thought that this subtle irony was the, the best thing about the book. Yeah. So both Ursula Kowalik and Jana Uraniewa were lucky to have uh, complete books uh, published in English, but there are still many, many Slovak writers who had excerpts published, but uh, who are still not uh, widely enough known to English language readers. And you featured many of them in Body. So who impressed you and whose work would you recommend to publishers and why? Okay. Well, I mean, a, a few of the names. Uh, the the first uh, story I actually ever brought to body uh, way back about seven years ago was uh, Peter Karpinski uh, in a story called uh, Shadow Play uh, that was translated by Charles Sabatos, who you've had as a guest, I believe. Um, and uh, I mean, that was a really uh, powerful, intense story about translation, uh, as well as about um, uh, insanity. And uh, it was um, a really uh, intense story that I can highly, highly recommend. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, another writer who uh, we've published in Body, and it later appeared in the um, anthology um, Into the Spotlight, uh, was uh, Dushan Mitana um, on a tram. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also recently published a, uh, another story of his in our Central European um, uh, special like week, which we had. Um, but on a tram was just a really um, funny uh, story. I mean, funny and I, I reread the story now during, you know, the pandemic, mm -hmm. this uh, claustrophobic being packed into a, you know, a, a tram and what then happens. And I thought, okay, <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, very unique story that I'm not sure also you could send to magazines and have it published now, maybe. <laughs> but I, I thought uh, I really love his sensibility and his sense of humor. Um, yeah, that's quite wicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As well as the anthology has another story of, of his that sort of follows up on it. Um, and but in um, uh, the story Signs, uh, an excerpt from the book Missing, is a fantastic uh, historical work uh, about the medieval or well, later than medieval fighting uh, against the the. Ottoman Empire 
and an executioner. And it's a really um, amazingly colorful uh, work. Um, so uh, he's definitely a writer I can recommend. And it's a whole nother facet of historical writing that, you know, from an era of history and a place that I think most English language readers really would have no, you know, experience of reading much about. So also, uh, I can highly recommend that. Okay, so we have two recommendations, Peter Karpinski and Dushan Mitana. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyone else? Oh, yeah. And uh, another one who also I think is uh, excellent with historical work is Pavel Rankov. Um, he, um, I, I, I've just, I've written a review of uh, a novel which will be coming out in the fall. I believe you've discussed it as well uh, on the, the podcast, but it happened on the 1st of September or some yeah. other time. Um, it's a fantastic novel which deals with um, the period from 1938 to 1968. And um, I, I've also uh, read... Um, a historian the anthology i wrote a little bit about it in my review of that um called mothers an excerpt as well about a slovak who was um imprisoned in the soviet gulag and i mean his story is always you know he it's not really about slovak history exactly it's like he uses a slovak perspective to tell a much broader history you know in this the gulag uh, World War II, the 1968 invasion, you know, communism. Um, and then he tells it from, a, you know, sometimes in the novel, the multiple perspectives, you know, different ethnicities, um, you know, different experiences. And uh, it's a really excellent and interesting way to tell history. Um, and uh, also very engaging. I mean, this the novel to me, I think, has incredible potential to be really uh, successful. I think it's a really, really great book. Um, and uh, one other writer, completely different, um, uh, Andre uh, Stefanik. Mm -hmm. um, and this is uh, the opposite pole from this dark, serious uh, stuff about history. But he, I, we've published, uh, I published three of his stories in Body, um, you know, so it, it couldn't be any more uh, different. If just uh, the names of the stories are My Name is Paula, Man on a Toilet, and To Sacrifice Yourself for Someone Else. Mm -hmm. But these stories are really um, the, you know, absurdist black humor. Uh, but I think they're some of the funniest stories I've ever published and some of the funniest stories I've ever read. And uh, I really, really love his humor. It's the closest I think I've come to finding someone who is able to translate this kind of jokes that you can kind of riff off with your friends on a late night and get it onto a page. And I think that's very hard to do. And he somehow manages to capture that really well. Great. So two more writers, Pavel Rankov, who's uh, it happened on the uh, 1st of September is coming out this autumn. So we have something to look forward to. And Andrei Stefanik, who has yet to find a publisher for his works in English. 
Great. And now, what about your own writing? Is there something you're working on at the moment? And can we look forward to seeing the result in print anytime soon? I have a uh, short story that will be coming out um, in the fall, I believe, uh, in a magazine called Phantom Drift. Um, Phantom Drift? Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And um, I'm just uh, sending out a, an essay, uh, which is actually just about this, the center of Prague um, and how, um, how it used to be in the 90s and how it mushroomed into a kind of tourist Disney world into, in the, uh, at least before the pandemic. So I will be, uh, I will not quite determine where I will publish that yet, but uh, it's certainly a theme that is, you know, uh, very current. So, so we will see. I really look forward to reading that. And I think we probably have to leave it at that. So thank uh -huh. you very much, Mike. This is really great talking to you. And thank you for all your recommendations. My pleasure. And uh, yeah, take care and have a great holiday. Thanks. 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 Thanks so much for having me. And you too. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.